0: I love the way you use language and words to talk about ideas. It's an incredibly rare ability, but because it's so pleasurable and easy to read, one might assume that the writing of these books is easy and perhaps pleasurable. Is it? Are you, Michael, any less tortured than the average writer? Uh, yes,
1: it is pleasurable and easy. I hate to ruin your punchline, but it is, actually what's hard for me is figuring out in the beginning, what I want to say. I spend a lot of time gathering material and organizing the material before I sit down to write. I'd say three quarters of the time is that. When the actual writing starts, it's, for me, fun. It's just fun. I mean, it's fun and hard, but if it's it's hard, it's hard in a fun way. And people who have, like my wife, who has walked in on me while I'm writing, Uh, I write with headphones on that just plays on a loop the same playlist that I've built for whatever book I'm writing. And I cease to hear anything in the world outside my what I'm doing. And apparently I'm sitting there laughing the whole time. Uh, and so ba- I think basically what I'm doing is laughing at my own jokes. But I'm not, I wasn't even aware of that. But people, my kids and my wife say that that's, you're sitting there at the desk laughing all the time.
0: What's on your playlist? What kind of stuff? Is it pop songs with lyrics or does it have to be more kind of background stuff?
1: It's pop songs with lyrics, but I cease to hear it. So the playlist for uh, the Undoing Project include two versions of Jessie Girl, the Rick Springfield song a Megan Trainer, you know, Adele's new, some of Adele's new album, a Cat Stevens song, it's a, a Jim Croce song, and they, they just, you know, it's kind of a random assortment of stuff. What it all has in common is it kind of gets me up, and after I've listened to it a few times while writing, I have this Pavlovian response to it. So if you played like a Megan Trainer song right now. Just start typing. I'd look for a keyboard. That's exactly right. So it actually kind of just, it's a very odd kind of conditioning mechanism for me.
0: The Undoing Project began to germinate more than a decade ago. Lewis had just published Moneyball.
1: The heart of the story was that markets can really pretty dramatically misvalue and misjudge people. And if a baseball player could be misjudged, who couldn't be, kind of thing. I thought it had a kind of universal message to it. What I didn't do is ask why baseball scouts were misvaluing baseball players. And I didn't really even notice that I hadn't done that.
0: Lewis didn't notice that until he read a review of Moneyball, published in The New Republic, by the economist Richard Thaler and the legal scholar Cass Sunstein. And they said, very really sweetly, that this is a good story Michael Lewis has written,
1: but but he doesn't seem to realize that these two guys named... Danny Kahneman and Amos Tversky, psychologists, have explored the biases in the human mind that lead people to make these sorts of misjudgments, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of
0: Danny Kahneman and Amos Tversky. The fact that someone like Michael Lewis hadn't even heard of Danny Kahneman and Amos Tversky tells you something about how obscure most academic research is. It also tells you something about Lewis. I tend to have tunnel vision when I'm working on something.
1: And when Danny Kahneman got the Nobel Prize in economics in 2002, I was in an Oakland A's
0: dugout. And so I just wasn't paying attention. And it's not like Kahneman and Tversky are exactly famous today, outside of some rather specific circles. But those circles have been expanding. And even if you don't know Kahneman and Tversky by name, you are living through a revolution that their research has made possible. A revolution is basic and important as understanding how people make decisions. Small decisions, like what to eat for lunch, and big ones, like whether to start a war. This revolution has many components and several names, the most prominent being behavioral economics, which is an interesting name for a couple of reasons. Number one, shouldn't all economics be behavioral? And number two, a lot of what people talk about when they talk about behavioral economics isn't really economics at all, which makes sense since Kahneman and Tversky were psychologists and not economists. But economists, as Freakonomics Radio listeners know, can be a grabby breed. So they put their name on it, behavioral economics. Anyway, what is it? Loosely defined, it's a way of blending empiricism and common sense to understand how people behave. It marries the economist's belief that people respond to incentives with the psychologist's understanding that people often don't respond to incentives as rational.